The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Glorious. Well, again, good morning, church. It's good to see you all today. Um, we are going through the book of Ephesians right now, and we've got these neat little Ephesians journals. Uh, they actually are going to go through uh, verse by verse on one side, uh, and then on the other side, there's a place for notes, and so we put some of those out on the chairs. If you haven't got one, you can raise your hand, they'll grab one for you, uh, but it's kind of a cool way uh, to engage Scripture a little bit differently, because for this whole series, we're actually going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, every week, the book of Ephesians. And it's not just us that are doing it, but actually Acts Church Lakeline and Acts Church uh, Lake Way and Acts Church Kyle are going through it as well. And so if you want to get a different perspective on each of these messages, you can actually go down to their websites and their podcasts and kind of say, oh, that's how God's speaking down in Kyle. That's how God's speaking down in Lake Way. And so it's kind of a neat opportunity for us as a network of churches uh, to uh, study scripture together. And so I invite you guys uh, to check out those podcasts as well. But before we dive in, uh, we're going to start off with some prayer and just ask God and the Spirit to speak. I invite you to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. You are a God who has plans. Lord, you are a God that, as we just saw with um, uh, Haley, Lord, that uh, before we are even born, you are speaking and working in our lives, for our lives, for something bigger than our lives. Lord, I pray that you continue to uh, speak today. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we are in chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians. And when we talked about chapter 1, we said that God had a plan. That God had a plan since the beginning of time. In fact, before he even started time, God had a plan for the world. And he had a plan for you to play a role in what God was doing. He had a plan for the church to play a role. He had a plan for all of us to be able to be a part of the family of God. And so that's Ephesians chapter 1. And then last week... Paul starts talking through how we get brought into that plan. He says in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that it's not by our own works. We don't build a ladder up to heaven. No, we have this divine favor, this grace, that Jesus comes down, and while we were still trapped in the muck of this world, he does life for us. He teaches us. He, in fact, dies for us. He puts all of the brokenness, all of the hurt on himself. We're forgiven. But then we're forgiven with a purpose. We're forgiven to be a part of that plan to do those good works that Ephesians 2.10 says that he built us to do and he planned for us to do. And then the rest of Ephesians chapter 2 starts to unpack what that plan looks like. And we talked about how countercultural it was for God to allow not just the Jewish Israelite community into a relationship with him, but he said, no, now it's about the whole world coming in and having a connection with God and a connection with each other. It's not about specific cultures. It's not about specific languages. It's not about what country you were born in. He says, nope. This message, this good news, this divine favor is for the entire world. Which then brings us to chapter 3. And again, we've been going through reading verse by verse. And when you start off in chapter 3, verse 1, it's not the most positive of beginnings. He says this, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, 
Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as it is briefly written. Paul is not speaking figuratively here. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, he was in jail writing to the church in Ephesus. That's not necessarily the happiest place to be, right? Like, I don't know. If I am writing and I'm in prison, all right, if I'm writing to someone, I'm either writing to tell people how hard it is or I'm telling people, hey, I need a better lawyer or, hey, I need you to bring this stuff to me the next time you visit, right? But Paul doesn't talk about any of that in the book of Ephesus, right? Now, he's not saying that being in prison is great. Sometimes as Christians, we think, all right, we just have to grin and bear it and pretend that the bad things happening in our lives are okay, that they aren't bad. That is not what Paul is doing here. He's not saying, let's play pretend that prison is actually this really positive place for me right now, right? That is not what he's doing. And yet at the same time, he does say that he's still the stewardship of God's grace. And last week we talked about how grace, that word, is actually the word for divine favor. And so somehow, even though Paul is in prison, he says, that doesn't make me any less active. And in fact, it doesn't make me any less part of this divine favor that God is a part of. And that's one of those weird truths within Christianity, that we can be in pain, that life might not be going the way we thought it was, or sin or brokenness is coming in, and those are true things. And yet, even when that hurt, even when that brokenness comes into our lives, we can still be a part of this divine favor. And Paul is going to break down how that happens in the rest of Ephesians chapter 3. Right? So he's in prison, but he's still a part of what God is doing. He's still a part of that plan. He says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has been now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul talks about the great mystery of his plan. That it's no longer us versus them. Right? And all of us get into this us versus them. I don't care what us it is, right? Whether it's your sports team, whether it's your political views, whether it's the state you come from or the country you come from or the place that you work, the neighborhood you live in, all of us get trapped in this us versus them. That's what sin does, right? That was literally how sin started. We raised our hands and said, actually, God, we know you have this plan, but guess what? We've got a better plan. It's our plan versus your plan. We eat of the apple, sin comes in, and it just starts wrecking everything, right? And it creates more and more us versus them, right? Because so it starts off us versus them with God, but then immediately you have Adam and Eve throwing each other underneath the bus, right? Actually, no, no, no. The us is now smaller, Right? Now it's really just me versus the world. That's what sin does. That's what every culture does, left to its own devices. But Paul says, no, the mystery is that now the Gentiles, 
And the Gentiles are everyone else other than the people of Israel. He goes, now they have part of what God is doing. By the grace of God, this divine favor, this mystery is going to transcend all the barriers that sin puts up. And it's going to start to reconnect broken communities. It's going to start to reconnect broken families. It's going to start to reconnect us to God, which is the primary problem. And what we're going to find is actually the primary solution and how we hook into the plan of what God is doing to. Because this mystery, this good news, is that the gospel is for everyone. No matter what you've done, this gospel is for everyone. This gospel is for you. This gospel is for me. This good news, this divine favor, he says. He goes on, he goes, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So God wanted to make himself known. And that's part of this divine favor, this grace that Paul had received. And sometimes I think we, we miss this knowingness of God so we've got community groups here at Acts, and my wife and I are part of a group that meets on Thursday nights. And right now we're reading through the book of John. And it was really insightful to me having this conversation with our community group because someone brought up something that I had never really thought before. We had just finished John chapter 2 where Jesus pulls the trick where he turns water into wine, right? And everyone loves that miracle. It's like, dude, he brought more booze to the party. I want to be a part of that guy's group, right? And so we're talking about this Jesus who can do stuff like that. But then someone else brought up the fact that this is the God of the cosmos, right? This is the God who, forget about changing water into wine, knows where every atom is in the universe. This is the God who speaks and life happens. And we got so obsessed with these little miracles, right, that are literally child's play to him. And we're like, that's cool. And he's like, guys, I'm the God of the universe, like, what I just did was a parlor trick in comparison to the power and the strength that I have for you. And even deeper than that, even deeper than the miracles, is this God is saying, I'm the God of the cosmos, and I want a relationship with you. I want to be known by you. The depth of that truth the good news of that truth, the mystery of that truth is why Paul is like, yeah, I'm in prison and it's not super fun, but I'm still a part of something so much bigger because of this God who created everything. This God who is in control of everything. He wants you to be part of his family. He's brought me into a part of his family, Paul says, and because of that... I'm able to see with a different perspective when life throws some haymakers at you, right? So even in prison, he can still say, this message, this plan, it's still working. It's still powerful. He goes on 
And he says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Paul says this connection to this cosmic God comes through Christ alone. The theological jargon of this is something that we call the scandal of particularity. The scandal that God has one way to have access through him. And this is something I think all of us wrestle with at times, right? Like, what about other religions? They're they're faithfully trying to live out what they believe. And to be honest with you, other religions are just as good, quote unquote, as far as doing good things as Christians are for the most part, right? You can be a Muslim and take care of the poor. You can be a Buddhist and try to seek after peace. Right? Other religions have good things going for them. So this isn't a knock on other religions. But there is something that we sometimes forget. What the Christian religion says, what our faith says, what our spiritual ancestry says was, that things were so broken that God had to send his son to die, to be humiliated, to be executed as a criminal that we might be saved. If there was another way, then God is just a massive jerk. Think about that for a second. If there's another way, if it's all roads lead to heaven, then really the Christian story The scandal is that God would do that in the first place. If you could just say certain prayers, if you could just live a certain way, if you could build that ladder, then the whole Jesus story is really God just being horrible to the one guy who didn't deserve it, right? Jesus was the one guy who didn't do anything wrong. He was the one guy who loved. He was the one guy who fought for people. He was the one guy who sacrificed himself. If God said, you know what, yeah, there's a bunch of different ways, but I'm going to have one of the ways before this guy to be publicly ridiculed, humiliated, and nailed to a cross, that's the scandal. Not all roads go to heaven. The scandal is if you believe in the Christian faith, it's an all or nothing type thing. And yet, there is boldness and confidence that comes in that relationship. Because as Romans tells us, if God is willing to go to that length to have a relationship with us, if he's willing to sacrifice that much so we might be a part of his family, then we have boldness and confidence that he'll go all the way in all the other ways. Because in the same way how sometimes our mind gets caught on these little minor miracles, and he's like, guys, my plan is so much bigger than turning water into wine. Sometimes when we are struggling personally with stuff, whether it's our finances or our family or our community, and we can get caught up, God, are you here? He says, I gave my son. That's how much I loved you. That's how much you were worth for me. And if you could trust me there, I promise you, you have boldness and confidence to trust me here as well. And there is power there, and there is authority there. And Paul's going to unpack what that looks like and where that comes from. He goes on, he says, for this reason... Right? This Jesus guy, this boldness and confidence. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. This is powerful. 
at this time in history, your family's name meant a lot. Were you a part of Caesar's family or Pilate's family or Herod's family? And if you were born a bastard, the literal word, right, so your parents weren't married, you could actually be their child and not have their name. And if you didn't have their name, you didn't have an actual connection with them. You were equal to a servant. You were equal to a slave. You didn't have any inheritance. And yet what Paul says here is that, no, we carry the name of our father. We are fully brought into his family. You're not second-class family members in God's kingdom because of what Jesus has done. He says, you are my child. You are an heir to everything I am doing. And like any good father, he wants the best for his kids. And Paul says, we have confidence through this Jesus guy that God is our father, and we carry that name with us as we leave And then he does this cool triune thing. He talks about the Father, and then he gets into the role of the Spirit and the role of Christ. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit. All right, so the Spirit's the active one in the Trinity. He's the one doing everything. In your being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. There is a ton that is happening here in the scripture. He says the Father had a plan. He said the Holy Spirit is the active member of the power that's going to come inside you to connect you to that plan. But he says it comes through understanding the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know how much Christ loves you. He says the more you understand your relationship with Christ, the more you're going to be filled with God. He directly connects our understanding, our comprehending are connecting to Christ's love to being filled with God. And this is not just an intellectual exercise. This is not believing, I believe these 10 things about Jesus, these 10 propositions. He was the son of God. He came to forgive me of my sins. That's all true, and that has value. But what Paul is getting at is deeper than just knowing facts. The best relationships in our lives are friendships our marriages, our families, co-workers, classmates. It's deeper than just intellectual understanding. We have this deeper connection to realize, no, they really care about me. And the more we realize how much they care about us, the deeper our relationship grows. That's what Paul is getting at here. He goes, guys, the more you understand who your God is and what he is doing for you and through you, you're going to be filled with his power. And that power is going to be part of how he changes the world. It brings you into his plan so you don't have to go back to doing everything the way the world does. That you can live differently. That you can see life differently. 
And then he ends with this. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Sometimes pastors will turn this verse into the cosmic genie or the cosmic vending machine verse. God can do anything for you. You just have to ask. You want that house? You don't want that disease anymore? You don't want to be in prison anymore, Paul? Just believe strong enough. Figure out the right uh, codes on the vending machine. And God's going to spit it out. and He's going to give you that thing that you want. That is not what Paul is getting at here. Paul didn't want to be in prison. That wasn't his dream spot. This wasn't his retirement plan. Paul isn't saying God's going to give us everything we think we need or everything we think we want. That's not what he's getting at. He's talking about something different. He's talking about a different type of power, a different way to live. This past week, something powerful happened. So a few months back, there was a shooting in Dallas. If you remember, it was the police officer who uh, was coming home from work, walked into the wrong apartment, shot a man, uh, killed him, uh, and then was brought up on murder charges. And if you want to talk about an event that covered every quote-unquote hot topic, right? You've got criminal justice, you've got police, you've got uh, African Americans, you've got uh, gun control. I mean, this is, ever, this is a litmus test, right? Of was this right, was this wrong, why did it happen? All this kind of stuff. And uh, the trial was all over the news, uh, and she was found guilty uh, and sentenced to 10 years in prison. During the sentencing, family is allowed to speak and to speak to the person who was found guilty. And one of the brothers spoke of the man who was killed. And the media got it all wrong of understanding why he did what he did. But I'm just going to share the video with you. And then we're going to unpack it a little bit. Because for me, you want to see what real power looks like. You want to see what real strength looks like. It's in this response. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just... I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the the bad things you may have done in the past. Each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And... 
I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even behalf of my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please. Yes. I mean, that's Jesus, right? I mean, she killed his brother. The world plays eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. What's the maximum punishment? What's the maximum justice we can see in this situation? You want to know what God's power is? What he's calling us to? It's that, that strength. All of us can hate. We're really good at that. All of us can scream at the top of our lungs, we're right and you're wrong and you harmed me. But when you get connected into the love of Christ, when you're filled with the fullness of God, you actually get a new power. That even in the most broken, destructive, life-ending situations, You get filled with the Spirit. And instead of hate, he said it. He's like, I don't hate you. I love you. I want the best for you. In fact, can I hug you? You want to see what reconciliation and restoration looks like? You want to see what forgiveness looks like? It's that. And this isn't even, don't get me wrong, he is a brother in Christ and he did something powerful and magnificent, but it's not even, wow, he's really strong. It's no, he has a strong God. He has a loving God. He has a forgiving God. And he's so filled up with that that he wanted to pay that forward to the next person. See, that's the mystery. That's the good news. That's the power that Paul was saying, it's okay that I'm in prison for because this is what I'm a part of. 
And this will change the world. This will transform the world. This will restore relationships. Even when the world is shouting from its rooftops, there's no way. This person is disqualified. The gospel comes in and says, no. No, they're not. When we look in the mirror and we have a hard time forgiving ourselves, the gospel says the same thing. No, you're not disqualified either. You still have divine favor. You still have forgiveness and life and access to a father and carry his name that you may go and carry it to people who desperately need to hear it. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to go into a time of song, into a time of reflection. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're a good God. And sometimes we forget how good you are, how powerful you are. We get trapped in thinking we understand your plan. And all of a sudden, your plan looks a lot like what's best for us in a specific moment or situation. And yet, Father, what you are doing is so much more beautiful and powerful and impactful. Lord, in that life, that life changes us and it changes everyone we come in contact with. Lord, we pray for the boldness and the courage to connect to you that we might better connect to the world. Lord, that we would forgive and reconcile as you forgive and reconcile to us. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.